Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards, like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Su. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Rachel Zoe here, and we're going back to the Rachel Zoe Project for a very special takeover on my podcast, Climbing in Heels. Come with me as I take you back to season one to give you all the behind the scenes details and drama. I'll be joined by some special guests that'll be helping me share the real stories behind the most iconic moments in the show. So do not miss this special takeover of Climbing in Heels. It's going to be bananas. Listen to Climbing in Heels with Rachel Zoe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to The Art of the Hustle, the show that breaks down how the world's most fascinating people have hustled their way to the top. I'm your host, Jeff Rosenthal, co-founder of Summit and owner of Powder Mountain Ski Resort in Utah. And in today's episode, I get to sit down with one of the most respected NFL players to ever play the game, 2019 first ballot Hall of Fame inductee and someone I'm fortunate enough to call my friend, Tony Gonzalez. For those listening, Tony is a former NFL tight end who played 17 seasons, 14 of which ended in Pro Bowls, and he retired as one of the greats to ever play the position and the second all-time leading receiver uh, in terms of yardage ever. He's also the host of the podcast Wide Open with Tony Gonzalez and also does a lot of the hosting for NFL broadcasts on television, etc. Please welcome to the podcast... Tony Gonzalez. Thank you for coming. We really appreciate it. I know we're 15 minutes from your home, which is wonderful. Perfect. Yeah. And you grew up out here. Torrance, Huntington. Torrance is where I was born. Okay. Uh, But I grew grew up all over. You know, we didn't have that much money when I was a kid. So uh, it was Long Beach, uh, Cerritos, Norwalk, uh, Westminster, Fountain Valley, Huntington. And then we finally pretty much settled in Huntington Beach, moved around six, seven times by the time I uh, was in sixth grade. And so that was where we went to Huntington and, okay. and lived in a, uh, uh, a little uh, two-bedroom condo, which is me and my mother. My parents were divorced at this point, got divorced when I was really young. And uh, we were on welfare and, and living in these, this place called Continentals, which mm. is kind of like project. It is. It's project housing, but in Huntington Beach. So I'm not in the hood by any means, but it's definitely the poor side of Huntington Beach. Uh, and then we met my stepdad. Yeah. Michael Saltzman, who yeah. uh, came and my mom fell in love with this man, this beautiful Jewish man. And uh, he had a little coin, mm-hmm. uh, not too rich. So middle, we moved on up to the to middle class neighborhood yeah. and then uh, pretty much stayed in Huntington Beach and and, uh, and the rest is history, I guess. Incredible. Well, I mean, that's an amazing story. And, and I want to go back to that and hear how that, you know, whether or not that played part of your motivation. But, you mm-hmm. know, I think that for football fans, you're you're pretty universally known people i mean you're you're you know the number 2 in terms of receiving yardage and the history of the game 
you were in 14 Pro Bowls in 17 seasons. You missed two games, is that right? Mm-hmm. Like you, so you're like you. I mean, you're you're a first first ballot Hall of Famer. So if football fans know that you have been dominating the sport that you're in since the moment that you started playing it. Uh, and and you know, for this, I, I'm hoping that there's this is going to introduce you know people that might not know aspects of your background or that story and really what separated you. And that's why you know, starting with you know, growing up here, I know you went to Cal Berkeley, mm-hmm. um, and you were a two sport athlete, right? You were yep. playing basketball and football. And as I understand, also had a huge impact on on your career. Yeah, like the the player you became or the way you played the game was that was that where it really? Do you think that was where it started to? differentiate or were you already dominating in high school it didn't it didn't always start out that way um it, you know i played pop warner football when i was a kid uh, okay. i was the worst kid on the team were you really worst kid on the team i didn't hear that but were you really the worst kid? I was like the, three years younger than everybody I no understand. no well it was because i was scared i had i was a lot a lot of fear uh when i put on the the shoulder pads and the helmet because you're running into somebody full speed you yeah. know so it, it's it was tough for me and i actually quit because i wasn't playing Literally, I would go into the game. You pay $135, and you're supposed to be guaranteed six plays back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Uh, now it's 20% of the plays. So I didn't know there were guaranteed plays. Oh, you, you, if you pay the money, you okay. get to play. Okay. Um, and, and I don't know. That's a whole different subject. Should, yeah. should you be allowed to or should you not? Whatever. Yeah. But for me, back then, my coach still wouldn't even put me in for those six plays. Wow. And so uh, I ended up quitting and said, I don't like it because I didn't like contact. That's the reason. It wasn't, had nothing to do with athletic ability or talent at that point. It was... Uh, it was just sheer fear of running into somebody full speed. Uh, and I, then I tried out again the next year, played a little bit. Uh, maybe I got the 10%, but I didn't quit this year because my mom was like, you're, you're not quitting. Mm-hmm. You, you, that's not you. That's not what Gonzalez is do. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't allowed to quit that year. Uh, but something interesting happened to me, and I've talked about this before. Uh, I don't know if you, do you know my bully story. Do you want to hear the bully story? I want to hear story? the bully story, yeah. Okay, because I've told it before. Um, but basically there's this long story short, there was a bully that would come down from the the high school and I was in junior high and he would come every single day. And I don't even know why this guy wanted to beat me up. Just, just tough guy. I still don't know to this day. And he would come down every day. And this was the stories back then, you know, the, the, Hey, this guy, he, he, he got in a fight with two guys the other day and he, he took a skateboard and hit one of them over the head, then got a brick and smashed it in his face. Mm-hmm. You know, you saw this urban legend of this guy. So I kept getting more scared and more scared. Uh, and I had a skateboard that I would strategically place in a, in a bush. Wow. And I would leave, as soon as the bell would ring, I would run to that skateboard and go home. And I had no friends, like nobody, all my friends that were, that I was kind of cool going into my eighth grade year. After that, I became like a, a, a social misfit, like, a, a the P word, you know, that, that a wimp. Yeah. And, uh, I, I wasn't going to dances. I wasn't hanging out for school. Wasn't talking to girls or anything like that. A total latchkey kid just watching TV all day. And then uh, he called me on the phone one day and he said, hey, why do you keep dodging me? Why don't you just fight me? Quit being a, a, a pussy and fight me. And uh, I said, okay, well, I don't know why you want to fight me. And he's like, well, you just talk shit. That's what he said, which is not true. Uh, and I go, okay, well, give me some, uh, give me some time to train. <laughs> and I, uh, I, uh, I, I, we set a date for the fight, and which was like two, three weeks later. Incredible. And I was like, hey, just leave me alone until then. Yeah. And so I'm training in the garage and my whole family knew about this. And my mom, especially, she's a tough rock woman from the South side of Chicago. And she's like, you need to just fight him. Just get it over with. And I have an older brother. Uh, and he's the same thing. Why don't you just get it over with? Uh, and I'm pretty tough too, but I was just so scared. So anyways, the day of the fight comes 
after school, everybody the whole day is talking about it. Hey, you're going to fight him today? I'm like, yeah, yeah. And I felt really ready. I'm like, I'm going to go fight this guy. And so remember, I told you I have no friends. So I'm riding my skateboard to the park after mm-hmm. school. And I look at the park and it's like half a mile away. You know, it was down the end of the street so I could see it. And I'm not, I'm not kidding you here. There must have been a thousand kids at this park from other schools, yeah. from the high school. Dri- people driving in like they're going to hear it. We're here at the fights. We're going to watch the big, the big uh, showdown. And so I'm by myself and I'm like, you know what? Screw this. I'm out of here, right? Because that's a no win. I'm, yeah. st- like, I'm not going to show up there by myself because it's a no win. If I do start beating this guy up, all his friends are going to jump in. Mm-hmm. It just was not worth it to me. Mm-hmm. And so I did what I normally do. I went and ran and hid. And I went to my house, hid in my house. And eventually they caught on that I'm not showing up, but they know where I live because the park was right down the street from my house. There must have been 50, 100 kids out in front of my house knocking on the door, banging on the door, throwing rocks at the window, saying, come out, come out, wimp. Even he drives by. He's driving or in the yeah. car driving. I'm, I'm on a skateboard. And they're trying to get me to come out. And I hear all, and I'm hiding in a closet inside my house. So that was that one thing. And then eighth grade graduation shows up. Now it gets even worse at school. So I really have no friends. I start playing basketball at this point too um, because that was the only thing I could do by myself. And so uh, graduation comes, he shows up, he's there waiting for me, I guess. Um, graduation happens, everybody throws their hat up, I don't, I go and hide. I got my all my family there, I got my cousins, my uncles, my mom, my brother, and they're looking for me. And they're like, where the hell is Tony? And I'm over there hiding behind a wall. And they all literally come up like out of a movie and they find me hiding. And that was, the lowest point in my life. It probably still is the lowest, one of the lowest, the top two. And I see the look on my mom's face and I see the look on my brother's face. And my mom is just disappointed. She won't even say a word. And my brother mouths the, the words like, what are you doing? It was, what are you doing? And I felt so angry. Like this rage started building up inside me and this incredible sadness and this feeling of, of fuck it. Like, I'm so tired of feeling like this. I'm, I've been feeling like this for the last months. And I went out there and I said, I'm, I'm going to go fight this guy. And I went looking for him and I couldn't find him. Uh, now, that, that was like a new feeling though. Mm-hmm. I'd hit that rock bottom and I said, screw it. And that's a good point to be. It's like kind of like a surrender of basically saying, I'm never going to go through it. I never will see that look on their face again, ever again. They will never feel that way. And I'm never running from anything in my life ever again. I will face it the best I can. And so fast forward to freshman football the next year. Mm. Remember I told you, Pop Warner, I'd played with these guys for two years. They know me by now. Yeah. And they see me showing up. And I remember one of the best players on this team, this, a guy who be, ended up becoming a real good friend of mine named Eric Escobedo. He was like the young stud. Everybody's like, yeah, that guy's going pro. He's like knocking kids out. And, uh, He's looking at me and he's like, Gonzalez, what are you doing here again? Like literally he said, yeah. Gonzalez, what are you doing? And I'm like, I don't know, I want to try out. So first day of practice um, of pads comes on and they have this drill called um, Oklahoma drill. And he's at the front of the line and I'm like, thank God I don't have to go against this monster. And he calls me to the front of the line. He goes, Gonzalez, come here, come up here. Uh, and I'm like, oh, and my heart starts pumping and that fear starts coming back. And I said, no, not this time. It's not going to happen. And so they blew the whistle. It was like two bulls in a ring. We hit each other so hard. And it was a stalemate. Nobody won. And I remember that was the first time in my football career that I felt like I got this. If I could take it against this guy, I can take it against anybody. And after that, it was just, 
I was good that year. I was like one of the top three players on the team, but I still wasn't the best. Eric was the best. Yeah. Uh, but then by the time I was a senior, I was first team All-American in football. And then I also played basketball too, like mm -hmm. you said. But those, that lesson right there, it, it's, it's, I believe, I've talked about it before, life boils down to a couple key moments Yeah. where you can either go right or you can go left. Or you can stay the same. Uh, you can get worse from it, or you can stay the same, or you can choose this direction. And that direction, though, the good direction, the direction that's going to give you growth is choosing to go past that fear. Yeah. There's fear there. But life takes off on the other side of fear. And it's happened to me so many times, and it keeps coming up. It's been like a common theme in my life. You hit that wall. You bang your head against that wall over and over and over again until you can finally get over it. Uh, and beauty's there, though. Freedom's there. Uh, and it's 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 taken off. It's it's helped my life taken take off so many times. It's incredible, man. And a lot of this stuff is fresh because you're a, you know a, a month as a Hall of Famer now, correct? Yeah, it was literally yeah. 30 days ago, and I want to I want to hear about how that feels. But you know, it's like every oh well, Tony will box you out. Like he bodies people. Like he's getting rebounds. He's a ferocious athlete. So if you put the ball high, he's going to go and he's going to beat anybody because he's going to you know it's a technical thing because of your dual sportness. It doesn't sound like that's actually the reality of the situation. It sounds like you had this transformational experience as a 14 year old. Yeah. You know, you were traveling, you were changing schools, making, well, that doesn't even sound like you were making new friends necessarily at this point, but having to, you know, go to school with an entirely new group of people every couple of years. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's a really significant unfair advantage if you can take that kind of a challenge and turn it into a into a benefit. I imagine that made you pretty ferocious at going after anything that you wanted in this world. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, and, and I believe life goes in stages because yeah. it doesn't stop there. And yeah, you're going to you're going to hit hit the bump, mm -hmm. hit the winter storm, and then you get through it. Then you get to the summer stages, but then it cycles, you know. And so again, it happened to me when I went to college, same thing. My first two years, it was tough. Yeah. Um, I wasn't focused. It wasn't because I was scared though now. Now it's like, okay, what else are you going to do now? What's the next lesson that you got to learn to keep leveling up, mm -hmm. to keep being the best version of yourself? And that lesson was, was focus. Yeah. I wasn't, before I could get by on talent and fearlessness, but now I wasn't focused though. And so, uh, you know, I'm up at Berkeley and mm -hmm. I'm doing what Berkeley students do back then, you know, read between the lines. I was partying, hanging out, yeah. you know, doing all sorts of things, stuff that's legal now. Sure, <laughs> right? I was doing sure. it every day back then. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you, you just, I, I remember standing, sitting on the side of a mountain uh, at like three o'clock in the morning after a night out of hanging out and looking at the planes come in and out of Oakland airport. And I remember I said to myself, it was this, I was two years in at this point, going into my, my third year as a junior. I had some good games at basketball, had some good games at football, but nothing great. I wasn't all league. I wasn't even the fourth best tight end in the Pac-10 back then. Mm -hmm. I wasn't an honorable mention. First team, second team, third team, all packed in or honorable mention. Yeah. Uh, and so, and I came in highly touted. And so I was disappointing a lot of people. They were like, man, if he could just tap into his potential. And so I, I saw these planes and I was like, okay, I was just, I, I literally projected myself on these planes. One of these planes was going back home to California and I can go get a job working, uh, you know, at a, doing, at a gas station or, or doing something, struggling, or I could be on that plane going someplace exotic, going to a new city because I'm an athlete and maybe I can be on a pro team if I would just focus. And it dawned on me in that second, literally it was just a split second and I changed everything. S stopped hanging out late, started focusing on my class, started taking advantage of the professors at Berkeley, 
started going to the workouts, but really being present during the workouts and focusing and setting goals and all that stuff. Six months later, I'm a first team All-American. I had this unbelievable run in the tournament for basketball, mm -hmm. which helps me play football better. Yep. Along with all the other sports, surfing and skateboarding and all that stuff as, as a kid. Um, and I was the 13th pick in the draft. Yeah, uh, because, well, and because you, of you, you left and you left a year early, and right? I left a year early, and yeah. it was. I mean, if you would ask anybody the year before that, they would have said, "No way, no way." And so it helps me too with you know being a father of four kids, mm -hmm. and you want the best for your children so much, and you it, your heart breaks when it doesn't go right for them. But at the same time, you have to you have to be able to to garden them. I guess sure. you know, look at them as as flowers is what I always say where you can't force the flower open. Yeah. You can give them the water and the fertilizer and make sure the sun's coming in and all that good stuff, but they have to open on their own. And for me, it's been that way, um, where I go through these life lessons. And then I had one more when I got to the pros, uh, my second year in the league. I love the quote, you know, like pressure makes diamonds. Yeah. You know, not always, obviously, but it can be the thing that results in, you know, um, you know, incredible things. But yeah, to that point, you, you know, in the league, I know that, you know, two years in, yeah. you were dropping passes. Yep. Mm -hmm. You were, you know, not necessarily, you know, achieving your potential to, to, to use your words. And uh, and you started hitting the books. Yeah. You know, and, and um, that's always fascinating to me because, you know, and I, the players that I do know, um, I have learned only through, you know, knowing a handful of, of, of guys that have gone through the league or different leagues. It's not necessarily like an intellectual hotbed inside of a locker room. It's not like necessarily the culture in a sense. And um, in entrepreneurship in general, like 99% of us are grinders, right? Like we're smart enough with a group of people, we can accomplish great things. And then there's 1% who are just enig enigmas. They can build the whole company themselves. They don't need other people. They're brilliant. And they're, and that to me is like the athlete that can just sort of like show up and because they're so, you know, freak of nature, talented that they can sort of just force, uh, you know, the, the results. Um, in your case, and, you know, it sounded like, and, and I read that you read hundreds of books in this mm -hmm. era. Is that real? Like you're, that's, yeah. that's, the, that's the true story. True story. Okay. True story. So Same where'd story. you start? Like, what was the, where, where did that begin? Well, your audience I'm sure is probably not football centric, but the football centric people that are listening to sure. you, they probably know this story, but real quick, I just want to cap yeah. that second year in the league. Yeah. I led the NFL in drop passes, dropped 16 balls, probably led to 30, 35 missed opportunities for my team and for myself. Yeah. Got benched twice, got booed by the home crowd. Okay. Remember I told you I was 13th pick in the draft. I had yeah. never been booed before. Yeah. And so I went to a deep depression of drinking and doing, uh, hanging out late. Really? Be oh yeah. Oh, uh, I remember locking, locking myself in the room and just, pounding alcohol and and crying and yeah. just really hit that low point because it means a lot to me. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't a lack of hard work. I was working my ass off. I was doing what was asked of me up to that point uh, where I was getting the workouts in. I was working hard at practice. But once again, there's that life lesson uh, that I've been very fortunate. All this bad shit that's happened to me, it's like fertilizer as far mm -hmm. as I'm concerned, where it was it was good. It, it was I, I needed that. And, and you got to find a way to embrace those situations in life and understand that there's a lesson there. And the, the bigger the shit, the bigger the rebound's going to be. Mm -hmm. I really do believe that. I've talked to a lot of successful people and I've read a lot of these books and it seems the people that have gone through the worst stuff are, have the biggest rebound. They the biggest, you know, you hear business people that lost it all and then they built their company up to even now billions of dollars now because yeah. they've learned. And for me, um, I got a letter during my second year from my brother, a little small letter, um, one of my adopted brothers. I have, I have three adopted brothers. And Donnie, 
He just says, hey, Tony, I don't know what's wrong with you, but that's not the Tony that I know. Get back to that Tony that we all know. There's something going on. I don't even know what it is. And he gave me a book of quotes from Vince Lombardi. You know, the greatest moment in a man's life is when he lies totally exhausted on the battlefield, glorious, mm -hmm. like stuff like that. And it spoke to me and it hit me right in my soul because I needed that at that, that at that moment. And off of that, like I had never bought a book before. Mm -hmm. uh, you you know, had never bought a book before? I bought a book when I was in seventh grade called Bo Knows. Okay. Uh, back. Yeah. But I'm talking, I never thought of reading sure. as, of, of, you know, besides required reading at school. Yeah. So I went out and bought a big old thick book by Vince Lombardi. I think it was When Pride Mattered, the name of the book. And I just devoured it. It spoke to me mm -hmm. on the formula for success. You know, success leaves clues. Mm. It's so... Uh, he off of that book, I started reading, you know, Phil Jackson books. I started reading uh, Michael Jordan books, Tiger Woods, uh, reading about Barry Sanders, Jerry Rice. Started reading great coaches, Lou Holtz. Started reading. Then I got into spirituality books that have to do with success, leveling up emotionally, spiritually. But even even before the spiritual and physical, because that's unbelievable. I don't and I don't know how you made that jump. Do you think that it changed the way you related to your coaches and to players that were like in the league? Like, was there another level that you got access to because you were investing in yourself or, or finding this avenue of self-growth? It opens your eyes. And first of all, coaches love this yeah. too. When they see a guy busting his ass, trying to get better. That's mm -hmm. what coaches, that's what parents want. That's what we want. Bosses want. Yeah. You want that of your employees. Like you love an employee who's going to go out there and do what it takes to get better. Yeah. And so that was me now. And I, I changed my whole routine. You know, because before I was able to just show up, because especially at the professional ranks, yeah. and this is business now, mm -hmm. when you get into the world and you start your own business or whatever, you, first of all, you're just a me too, because everybody's done it. And so what's really going to separate you isn't your brain. It isn't. I, I, very rarely is it. And very rarely in the NFL uh, does the most talented guy just dominate all the time. It's the guy that can connect his mind to his heart uh, and then his routine. And so for me, I saw Jerry Rice would catch his work, his workout routine would make him throw up during the off season. Uh, and you hear stories like with Kobe Bryant getting 3000 makes, 3000 makes that takes like five hours in the gym. And so for me, I said, I'm going to start going out before practice and I'm going to catch a hundred balls before practice, which I never did before. Never had to, I was talented. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then during practice, when the defense is going, the offense takes a rest. So instead of me sitting there taking a rest, I'm going to get another 20, 25, as many catches as I can. And I'm talking catches in the moment with your chin strap on, with your mouthpiece in, focused catches, putting yourself in position. After practice, the coach would do, call everybody up, he'd excuse the team. Everybody would go in to go do what they ever, you know, me, I'd go in, go get something to eat or whatever it is, go play video games, go see your girlfriends, whatever you got to do. But for me, I'm going to stay out there. I'm going to get another 100 catches. And that routine changed everything for me. Yeah. Uh, and then you start thinking about how winners think because it's a thought process. It's not don't ca don't drop this ball when it's coming to me because I used to think that don't drop it, don't drop it. Now it's too I got this. This ball is mine. Well, I've never thought about connecting these two things until this conversation, but it actually sounds like the process that great architects go through. Um, when we started our Powder Mountain project, it was like the first time I was ever in like a meaningful architectural conversation. And I'd be like, oh, that's a beautiful building. Let's work with them. And the people who are, you know, hip to the game would be like, you don't necessarily want to judge an architect based off of one building. You want to look at their process and who has the right process for the right projects. 
And when you start approaching it from that perspective, you start seeing like the real art form and the mm -hmm. people that really are, you know, the, 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 there are only a handful and then, and everybody else essentially is drafting off of those who have sort of, built. and it sounds like you, you sort of saw the same thing. It's the process, it's your routine, it's the ways in which you were investing above and beyond and that dictated the results. Yeah. Yeah. There's a great book out there for, for business and entrepreneurs, Ray Dalio. Yeah. You know he is. Principles. Principles. Pattern recognition. Totally. Okay. And like I talked about, success leaves clues. Y you see what has worked for people before because none mm -hmm. of it's really new. It's yeah. all cyclical. And so, and, and for me, another thing, this is important because I just learned this lately. Uh, when I say lately, like within the last month, what I also did, I was able to get into my heart yeah. when I played after that third year. And I had been in my heart before. It, would, it comes and goes. People all have glimpses of being in their heart. And my thing is I had to define that. What does that mean to me to play with your heart? Coaches say it all the time. Play with your heart. Play with your heart. That's, that's something you'll hear coaches say a lot. And I'm like, a lot of times as players, they don't know what the hell that means. What, what, what does that mean to you? And so for me, I have to define what is being in your heart. And for me, there's no fear of judgment when you're in that zone or that heart or whatever you want, that flow. There's no, you have compassion for yourself. You have forgiveness. If I drop a ball, I can forgive myself now and move on. I can have presence. That's, mm -hmm. it. That's in your heart. That's when you're in that flow. And so I've just recently connected the dots to, to that aspect of me being a great football player, playing in my heart. Now let's bring that to every other part of my life. Let's mm -hmm. bring that to my wife and to my kids. And when I'm sitting here talking to you, like I want to be wide open. I mean, that, that's, that's. I'm more in my heart just listening to you talk about being <laughs> in your heart for sure. Yeah. Well. Yeah. And 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 the thing is though, some people think that's corny, or some people think that's woo woo, or whatever you want to call it. But it's what athletes do. That's what Michael Jordan was doing. Mm. That's what Tiger Woods is doing. That's what that's what uh, great tennis players. It's what Coco Graf is doing at 15 years old when she's out on that court. Or artists, or, or musicians, artists, musicians. Or, yeah. Uh, can you come from that place? And I've also connected the dots that, because I have four kids. Yeah. It's basically just remembering who you are and where you come from. When you're a child, that's when you're, you learn the most. This is all proven through science. That's when you're like a sponge for knowledge. And I think it's because your heart is wide open as a child. You, you're, you, you go through your fears a lot easier. This is why learning to be a snowboarder or do a gymnastics, you got to mm -hmm. start when you're young. Because you'll go through your fears a lot quicker. It doesn't totally. mean you don't get afraid. You're not afraid to dance. You're not afraid to sing at the top of your... You're not afraid of people when you're that young. Or you go through the fear a lot quicker. But there's no racism. Fear, fear is the rev limiter, not capacity. Yes. Absolutely. There, there's no racism. as, a, as a, Nothing that's different. It might look weird for a second, but then you go through it. You say, hello. Oh, actually, it is. And, and that allows you, when you're in that frame of mind, mm -hmm. you learn quicker. And so why can't we as adults get to that point? And that's something I've been experimenting with today. Like literally my meditations, uh, I meditate twice a day, is really about opening that heart, getting back to what I was on that football field and bringing that to my television now that I do Incredible. on Sundays, bringing that to my wife, bringing that to every situation as much as I possibly can. And first of all, it's more fun. You can get there the other way. You can be a logical person who's in your head and hardworking uh, and you'll achieve success if you work hard enough and you're disciplined enough. You hear all that shit, which is good, but you're not going to have as much fun. It's fun being in flow. It's, yeah. It is fun to be in your heart. That's when, that's when it's really the good stuff. It's easier and it's more fun 
Uh, or you can do it the hard way and be in your head and be afraid of what people think and be like I have been. I've been afraid of what people think. That's, that's what it is. I love this. I, I definitely don't play husband the way I play dad. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I could bring more of the way I play dad to the way I play husband. Dad. And uh, I love my wife with all my heart. However, I sometimes am just, you know, I, I, I certainly am not bringing that mentality that you're talking to, to the level that I can. And I love that that's something that you've dedicated yourself to. Yeah. 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 Want to connect it to the stuff that you're doing a bit now today, too. I mean, like one, one of the things I think about, and you'd mentioned the spirituality piece um, and making and that, it sounds like that had a big, big impact, like you finding your heart. And mm-hmm. did you have like a gateway drug to that? Like, how did you get introduced to that whole sphere of, of influence? Oh, I had a, a, a girl I was dating. Okay. Um, uh, actually, I ended up having a, a child with her, uh, Lauren yeah, Sanchez. Yeah, of course. Uh, Nico's my oldest. Uh, he's 18 now. Mm-hmm. But she gave me a book by Deepak Chopra called mm-hmm. The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success. And I have a spiritual background growing up. I grew up in a uh, Seventh-day Adventist yeah. religion where my dad would pick us up every Saturday. Um, when I said my parents got divorced, I still saw my, my biological father every Saturday he'd pick us up and drop us off that evening. Yeah. Uh, among other things, he did some took us on trips too. He wasn't an absentee father. He was there. Uh, but so I had that foundation and I definitely moved away from the church as I got older mm-hmm. uh, for different reasons. We're not going to talk about that. But then I got more into the spirituality aspect of things. And, and the seven spiritual laws of success is a great book. Yeah. Wayne Dyer. Yeah. Is, I went and saw him speak. Uh, back when I was playing, I took a couple teammates from my <laughs> my and, team. And I'm sure that was mind blowing. It's mind blowing when you can combine that with with the hard work, the yeah. discipline, the quote unquote, you know, that, that, that cave, I, I don't know, I'm going to call it caveman, but that approach that football and sports brings, like you work your ass off and you get disciplined and you'll get better and no mercy and all that stuff. But I believe the opposite is true. When you can give mercy a little bit to mm-hmm. yourself and forgiveness and compassion, combine that with the work ethic and the tenaciousness and the, and the integrity of, of sports, uh, you'll go even further. Totally. Uh, and and well, that helped me become a better player. Well, we're in the temple of the hustle. Like the, the, yeah. the whole world around us celebrates hustle. And like, if you're making it into the pros in any capacity and any, in anything you hustle, like that's the prerequisite. And, and to take that approach, like, you know, that forgiveness aspect, that that's something myself and my partners always did as entrepreneurs, just keeping, and we would call it keeping the frame of an artist, right? Like an artist, you can experiment, you can try yeah. things, you can, yeah. you know, and, and we didn't, it took us a decade to, to, to pause. Like the first 10 years was all just like, okay, I'm going to work as absolutely hard as I can on the things that I'm doing. And then you realize there's no leveraged opportunities to that. That's like beating the game level by level. That's how most people are playing. And if you want to, you know, get, you ever play Super Mario Brothers? Yeah. And you know, there was a whistle. You can get the whistle and you can skip to the eighth or ninth level or whatever. Yeah. Like I, 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 you know, took a time in my career to suck it what I was doing on a daily basis. Cause I, I realized that what got me here won't get me there. And uh, it sounds like this was one of those gates as well, where it's like combining sort of the, the human aspect, the heart to the hustle was, was, was a major, major moment. This is great. I didn't know any of this about you. Yeah. When you keep learning. And so transition is another thing that I, that was another thing in my life that I had to learn. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I got done playing football 17 years, yeah. great career. Okay. Now what's next now? Let's think about athletes. K- King of Kansas city and then Atlanta. Yeah. And the, yeah. but it, then it's over. Yeah. Literally you're this and then it's over the next day. Mm. And so a lot of athletes struggle statistically 80% are divorced um, or, or broke within two years of playing or both. And so you, you struggle and you're going to go through it. 
And I thought I wasn't going to go through it. I thought I was, well, I'm in a good place spiritually. I got mm -hmm. plenty of money. I had a job at CBS on the main desk. And it wasn't. It took me three years of trying to figure it out and bumping my head against the wall where, you know, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't happy. I wasn't happy. Uh, and we shot out in New York with CBS. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was sitting at a, um, in, a, in a cafe in Barcelona with my wife on vacation. And my contract was coming up with CBS and I was going to sign for another three years there. And like I said, I wasn't truly happy and had nothing to do with CBS. They were fantastic with me. Mm -hmm. And my wife goes, oh, yeah, the contract. And I never let anybody know, not even my wife. And I don't even know if I really knew. I just felt a certain way, but I didn't know. And so it just hit me like a flash where I, st I got kind of sweaty but cold. And she's like, what's wrong? You know, you're going to be happy about this new contract. And I go... I don't think I want to do this. And what hit me was, what if I peaked? You know, mm. it's a scary, scary feeling to think that your best days are behind you. And that's what happens to a lot of athletes mm. or business people out there. Totally. That are, have this great successful business and you've ran it for 10, 20, whatever it is, how long it is, but all of a sudden it's not giving you what you want anymore emotionally. But you're afraid to make that transition to do something else, to jump out and do something else. It's a scary, scary feeling. And it scared the shit out of me. And I, like I said, I started crying. Uh, my wife's like hugging me. She's like, it's okay, it's gonna be good. I even think about it now, I get emotional about it because that feeling of fear, of terror. Yeah. Uh, and then off of that, I said, screw it. I don't wanna feel like this. And I told CBS, thank you, but no thank you. I uh, called my agent up, called my manager up, and I said, I don't want to do this. And remember, they had been negotiating. They were like, sure. they didn't believe me at first. Uh, and my, my agent at that point was like, you're making a career de decision here. This, mm -hmm. is, this is a mistake, you know, uh, because there's no other jobs out there. I mean, everything, all the desks are full. And I said, I don't care. I got I to gotta go through it, you know. And, uh, and I had the, the, the luxury at this point of, you know, I, I've made some good money so I could, I could take it off. So I feel for people that feel like they're in a position. But at the same time, you, life is poking you at that point. Mm -hmm. It's saying, don't fight that feeling. If you're feeling upset about something uh, or scared, I always do this. Here's the measure of how I do it, where if I want to do something, but I'm scared to do it, but I really do want to do it, that's what I have to do. That's how, that's how, that's my pointer for the direction. Like you got to go do it. Yeah. You know, it's like jumping out of a plane. I always wanted to jump out of a plane, uh, parachute mm -hmm. and I was, I was scared to do it, but I really wanted to do it. I don't want to feel that air and that feeling of lightness and floating to the earth, but I was scared shitless of it because I could die. Right. You can hit yeah. the earth, but I finally did it. Uh, and it was the best feeling ever. Um, and it worked out for me with CBS. I got a great job at Fox. A desk opened up miraculously where one of the guys had left. Uh, I'm right where I want to be. It's 10 minutes from my house now. I'm closer to my kids. And that's part of what I always say. Like life takes off on the other side of fear. What you're afraid of is what you have to go do as long as it's in your heart and you want to do it. That's how you know where you need to go. Life is given you or the universe or divine or God or whatever you believe in is that's, that's the roadmap for you. That, you have to trust it though and know that it's going to work out. And it's hard. I know it's hard. I've been there. But it's how I live my life now. And it's more fun that way too.
you clearly don't have a lot of self-judgment. It sounds like it's something that you worked on and mm-hmm. have broken yourself up in some ways. Yeah. yeah, and and you're very open with your emotions. Like, you know, you're you're not only do you cry when these things are taking place that you're telling us about, but you also talk about it on things like podcasts or in your life and like you're you're an alpha dude. Do you think that that is attached to your physical health? I believe that if your body's healthy, yeah. then your your mind's like flexible, what did I hear? Um flexible body uh, flexible mind. Mm-hmm. And so that's something I've been getting into lately because I was getting a little stiff after I got yeah. done playing football. But yeah, I believe if you take care of your mind, um, take care of your body, your, your, your body will, that's part of your mind. That's part of your heart. Uh, it's more free flowing. It goes back to kids. Yeah. Kids also are very flexible yeah. too. And so they're flexible with their emotions. They're flexible with everything else. Uh, and I've seen it where my 10th year in the NFL I was starting to slow down mentally, mm-hmm. uh, physically. Everything was, you know, the average career is two and a half years or whatever, three years in the NFL. And I'm at year 10, which is great. I'm like, okay, I'm ahead of the curve here. Uh, and I felt myself starting to slow down. I had a, a little health scare where my blood got mixed up, where they told me, I thought I had leukemia. Oh my God. It was one of the scary, talk about tears after that phone call. Yeah. Where I get the call from the trainer saying that, you know, you need to come back here. And I'm like, well, I'm not going. I'm going home. Actually, I was in Kansas City. And he goes, no, well, the doctor needs to talk to you. And I said, all right, well, I'm not going anywhere. And the doctor calls me up and gives me and says, hey, we found something in your blood. You need to come in and take a test. And I said, what is it? He says, well, uh, first of all, I said, well, is this going to affect my football career? And he goes, don't worry about football right now, Tony. We're talking about your life here. Mm-hmm. And when he said that, I was like, the shiver came over me. Yeah, and he's course. all, it looks like leukemia. He goes, so come in, we're going to run some tests and trust me, you're going to, we'll get through this and yada, yada. So, uh, it turns out it was a blood mix up, mm-hmm. but off of that, it gave me a, a real kick in the ass that I got to make some changes. And I had been thinking about making changes and it's funny how life, when you're the intuition, the intention was there. I was reading this book called the China study, yeah. which is a pro vegan book, whole foods, plant-based diet and the evidence to support it. And I just said, screw it. I'm going all in. And I went vegan. I was vegan for about two months. Uh, felt the clarity of mind come. I felt more regular. Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt more energy. Uh, I felt my muscles and joints felt better. Like everything was better. Felt more vibrant, yeah. and open. And off of that, uh, I made some some huge changes. You know, I was the night before that. I mean, I was your fast food king. You know, mm. and you see it with athletes, believe it or not, they'll come into on game day. They're eating Popeye's chicken and stuff like that. It's just it's, it's it's horrendous. Well, it makes sense to me if that's what you always did. And that's how your body, you know, processes calories. Yeah. And that's what you know, that's that changing that often can be a bigger risk than not. But are you still and are you still vegan? And no, still, no. The vegan, so, it didn't last that long. It lasted yeah. like two months, but then I made changes off of that. And like bad vegan, basically, right? Like you incorporate, you know, an at, like was it like under 16 ounces of meat a month or something? Yeah. You're I like pretty careful with it. Rarely eat meat. Okay. Uh, unless it's a special occasion or, yeah. or if, you know, if, if we go somewhere and someone's like, hey, you got to try the pork sandwich here. It's yeah. amazing. I'll be like, okay, let's do it. But for the most part, I'm huge into greens, green smoothies with broccoli and cilantro and parsley. Every day I do this, make a huge green smoothie. Try to eat as much vegetables in because your body feels good. Yeah. And I still incorporate a little, little bit of uh, meat into to things. But the, the beautiful thing about nowadays to, that they have alternative meats now. Yeah. You know, Beyond Meat is amazing. Yeah. It tastes great. Totally. Too. Totally. Go get a Beyond Meat burger. And that kind of satisfies my craving when I want meat. Um, 
but you feel so much better. I've started lasting longer on the football field. Like I said, in the fourth quarter, I wasn't getting tired anymore. Yeah. Uh, and that's what prompted me to write the book on the all pro diet back a long time ago uh, to, to really try to help people. And you see it now with athletes. You see Tom Brady. You look at his routine while he stayed so healthy so long. It's it's, mm-hmm. it's not just showing up. It's not just genetics, folks. It's, yeah. it's taking care of your mind, and, body, and it's and not just sport. I mean, like mm-hmm. I think that our sperm count is down half in like 50 years. And, you know, there's a bunch of reasons. But uh, I'm, I'm sure as we were talking about Game Changers, Susie yeah. Cameron, James, James Cameron's movie that you were at the premiere of last night. And there's that part in it where they uh, they measure the sperm count of these yeah, athletes. That was wild. And it's like double if they have a vegetarian meal the night before versus uh, eating meat, right? And there's yeah. all of these other physiological impacts. But the idea that like y- you opening your heart has a mind-body connection that's that's literally creating more blood flow, so you're recovering faster mm-hmm. potentially. Like, and were you were you conscious of these things as principles as you were gaining them? Did you do you write these things down, or did these just become part of who you are? Like, no. what's your process? No, I wrote all this stuff down. Really, write this shit down. Right, right, right. I my this morning, I'm talking yeah. to my nine year old, and he comes into my room because my morning preparation. I'll go into my room, I'll do a a, a a quick meditation, and then I have a little journal that I've written my rules of success Mm -hmm. according to what I think. Whether I'll read a book or I'll get inspired by a thought, I'll write it down if it means something to me. And now I get to see that every day and it becomes part of me. And so that's what I did when I played football. I used to write letters to myself uh, at the bottom of the sheet, whatever it is to motivate myself. Like, hey, they're doubting you this week. And now they're, especially as I got older and they think you're old, they think you don't have it anymore. You have to go out there and prove them right. Play it one play at a time. Play with your heart, play with excellence, play with pride, play with commitment, play with your heart, whatever it is. You just, these little reminders, what you focus on expands. And this is proven now. This is quantum physics. And so you need to fill your brain up with the most positive images of yourself. And this is part of visualization. And it goes back to sports. This isn't woo-woo stuff. Yeah. This is Michael Jordan. Well, it's results. It's not like, yeah, debate you. Yeah. Like, I mean, what am I supposed to say? You're like, no, Tony, this is not how it works based on what? Like, I mean, you did it. It, it's, it's, It's your life. It's just incredible. And, and now that you're, you know, pretty transitioned at this point, although you obviously you're still, you know, hosting the stuff uh, with football. Tell, tell me more about like the businesses that you're building. And then obviously you have the podcast now. Uh-huh. Well, podcast is what I've been really excited about okay, lately because, uh, you know, around three years ago, my wife was like, you need to do a podcast. You know, you got all this knowledge and she's people right. Don't, people don't know this shit about you. And I'm yeah. like, well, who the hell am I is the way I looked at it. Like, yeah, I was part of scared, you know, scared of because once you put it out there too, people will critique it. You're going to have mm. critiques. Uh, I mean, just look at YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> I was watching this unbelievable inspirational father something. He was working with gang members and saying the best lessons he's ever learned is from gang members. And he was given this heartfelt and I cried when I was watching. He was, it was really one of those too. And I don't cry that easy. I hope I'm not coming off like that. No, you're just giving us the key moments, man. I get so, it. Yeah. Giving you the key moments. And, and I remember looking at it and then you look at the reviews, like, you know, 9,000, some people liked it. And then 236 people gave it a down, mm-hmm. a thumbs down. And I'm like, those 236 people, what the hell are they looking at? So people, yeah. I always felt like, and I would worry about those. Mm. That's the problem with our society right now is we worry about those 236 instead yeah. of the 10,000 people that actually really liked it. It's like that 236 has a bigger voice. And for me, that affected me. And so I had always been like, okay, I don't want to do a podcast. And she was, and finally, it just, I just said, screw it. Why not? You're right. I am a Hall of Fame football player. Uh, I've, I've, like, I've read literally hundreds and hundreds of books, maybe thousands of books at this point. I'm still reading right now. 
right? read two books at a time. And they're usually on this subject of growth and, and being the best version of yourself. And so if I can help some people out there and they can hear my story, especially from a big football player, mm-hmm. uh, and I can tell you my secrets, my lessons, my routines, and it's going to help you be the be- a better version of yourself, now we're helping everybody. What you're doing right now is amazing. You know, you're helping people go out there and, and conquer their dreams and feel good about it and do it the best way. And you're giving people little tips. And that's what I want to do. That's what we're all in this together, too. Yeah. And so uh, I, did, I do the podcast now called Wide Open, uh, which will start here in mid-September, uh, where I bring people on. We're talking about this, we're talking yeah. about leveling up. I want to hear your story, and I want people to walk away you know, from, from what's your sleep habits. What you, what, you know, bio, I'm a big biohacker. I'm looking mm-hmm. for ways to improve my brain, my heart, open up, meditation techniques. Also, how you grew up, what's your story, and read between the lines, because we all have the same story. You know, there's, there's, there's anger. There's envy, there's jealousy, there's unforgiveness. Those are stories that are embedded in everybody's story. And listen to how they got through it. I'm inspired by that. I want people to be inspired by that because that's what's going to make this place a better place for all of us. Yeah. Uh, so I'm doing that. And then uh, business-wise, uh, I was an investor in Beyond Meat. Yeah. <laughs> I had to drop Way that to one. go. Congratulations. Uh, Still on fire. I'm part of uh, the App Zero. Yep. Which is a fasting app, uh, mm-hmm. which we're going to be expanding here. I wish I could tell you some details, but my partner, Mike Mazer, who's amazing. I actually worked with him on FitStar, uh, which was acquired by Fitbit. Yeah, totally. Uh, and I, so I was there from the beginning. I got to see that grow in, into what it was uh, and had a really good exit from that. And so zero is kind of the next phase of, of what we're doing. Do you intermittent fast? Yes, intermittent fast. How yep. often? Uh, probably daily. daily. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Unless unless something comes up, but most of the time, yeah, it's it's. What a about routine. what about yoga? Should we yoga? Should we not yoga? I had never been in the yoga, but I just I just got back from Peru. Yeah, I did a a little week long, uh, cleansing down there. Great. Uh, you know, abundance, meditation, stretching, yoga, uh, love too. Me, just mm-hmm. me and my wife. Explore, you know, trying to get our relationship better. We've been married, almost, we've been together almost 15 years. Yeah. You know, shit gets stale. Yeah. So we got we to gotta re, refine that spark and we did. It was, it was amazing. Yeah. Uh, and so I got off of that though, the flexibility mm-hmm. of body affects your flexibility of mind and soul. That's what I learned down there. And so I've really been getting into stretching every day, like really, really, not yoga though. I'm yeah. not going to the class yet. Now, you know, yeah, I, yeah, I don't yeah. have a mat. I just get on my, my, my carpet and I do this 20 minute stretching routine every day and then go into my push ups, sit ups, kind of my Herschel Walker workout yeah. stretching routine. And I feel amazing. It's, it's, I feel like I'm 10 years younger already. And I know you have the infrared mat and uh, yeah. do you do the chili pad? Is that right? I got a chili pad. I got a bio mat. Yeah. Uh, I got an infrared sauna. I got yeah. a cold tub now. Mm. I just, I got to put it together. It came to the house yesterday. I got a, uh, that little inversion table. Like, yeah. You know, stretch your spine out. Oh yeah. Uh, I'm in all that. I have a juve light, a little red light therapy. What's that? Uh, it's, it's actually really cool. In fact, from a buddy of mine um, named Dan Party, mm-hmm. who's, I think he's got a, he's definitely, he's got a podcast. He's a PhD, uh, Really smart guy. And he said, get this juve because actually they have the most evidence out of all that stuff, the most evidence on how it helps your body mm-hmm. uh, and your cell growth and you know, keep you young, all that different stuff. I'm totally. not going to go into the science because I'm not qualified, Yeah, but I've read the research on it and, uh, and I feel good when I, when I use it. So I do all that stuff. Your way of thinking and your way of seeing, and it's clearly what you know gave you the permission to become the fullest potential yourself. Your story, it really makes me think about how 
you both have the provenance and you, you really value where you come from and you don't let that be the enemy of progress. Like you seem to like to combine both the bleeding edge and living on your edge with giving yourself ultimate permission to fail if you do. And, and um, man, I mean, if more of us ran at our fears versus away from them, I think we'd live in a much you know, happier, healthier world. Yeah. And uh, I mean, thank you, man. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for doing what you're doing. Really appreciate you coming. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Bro. Yeah, of course. Appreciate it. Be great, man. Yeah. Man, Tony Gonzalez is a force of nature. Um, it's pretty humbling to spend time with this guy. We've hung out a handful of times and have some mutual friends, and I knew that he was the boss, but good God. So ultimately, you know, I uh, am just blown away. Thank you for listening, and if you're still listening, um, you know, I always at the end of these podcasts like to take some notes and have some takeaways that I thought were you know, really valuable and indicative. And and Tony basically speaks in, in platitudes and wisdom. Uh, but, you know, one of the ones that I pulled that, that really stood out to me, one was playing with your heart and really understanding what that means. And, you know, uh, if it's not fun, it doesn't count. And, you know, if you can connect your heart to what you're doing, that means that you're enthused. It means that you love it. And that's the only way you're going to compete at the highest level. Because if you don't, somebody that does is going to take those hundred extra passes or they're going to put in that extra work. They're going to read the extra books. Success leaves clues. I love that quote. And it's fact, you know, like it's a lot of these paths have been walked. A lot of those, you know, you know, first through the wall gets a lot of shrapnel, you know. So ultimately in this life, you got to do the things that you're afraid of, as Tony also said. But, you know, the people that came before you, you can stand on their shoulders. And frankly, anybody accomplishing anything great has adopted that principle. I've never met anyone in my life that doesn't, you know, take from, you know, those that came before them um, in a way that allows them to accomplish even more. And what you focus on expands. It sounds like Tony's experience in eighth grade, you know, taught him that he could break a cycle and he could go at his fears versus letting them dictate what he did. But I love the principle of what you focus on expands. And it's fact. It's like, you know, what we do um, becomes who we are. And, and if we're not careful, you know, our thoughts become the things that end up manifesting in our worlds um, and, in our, and in our work and in our relationships. And so if you, if you manage and maintain and monitor, you know, your thoughts, it, it ends up resulting in the outcome. If you focus on the process, you end up getting the product. You don't have to worry about dropping balls because your process is, is, is tight. Thank you, Tony. Thank you guys for listening. This is The Art of the Hustle. I'm Jeff Rosenthal. See you next time. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards, like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. 
Rachel Zoe here, and we're going back to the Rachel Zoe Project for a very special takeover on my podcast, Climbing in Heels. Come with me as I take you back to season one to give you all the behind the scenes details and drama. I'll be joined by some special guests that'll be helping me share the real stories behind the most iconic moments in the show. So do not miss this special takeover of Climbing in Heels. It's going to be bananas. Listen to Climbing in Heels with Rachel Zoe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.